This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. What I want to do today is I want to share with you a story that shows what some of our basic choices are every single Christmas. Because I think like Christmas is like a lot of life, like the scale gets turned up to about 10. And so it's got the good and the bad to it, the challenging parts, the easy parts. And we're going to look at some of those two today. So could I share a story with you folks today? Yes, I want to share a story. And it's a beautiful story, beautiful part of the Christmas story. It's about a basic choice that we have to make. And are we going to choose to welcome trust? And then with our feet, are we going to choose? Like, which direction do we go? To the left or to the right? We're always faced with those decisions. So I want to talk about how, how the Bible captures part of that. Now, as I was telling the volunteer team, it's important to remember with the Christmas story. The Christmas story doesn't start and the children were gathered with, around their parents with care, wherever that story begins. Most of the story occurs at what time of day? Please say it together. What time of day? Night. Please say that again. At? When it is? Dark. Isn't that interesting? Most of the story occurs at night. When it's dark. Now that's purposefully part of the story. That's a very deliberate part of the story because it's trying to share something important with us. It's trying to share that, that life does have its dark moments. And it does have its moments of light as well. Could I get a little amen? It has those two things. We've talked about that a lot this Christmas season. And one of the main bad guys that's always fun to talk about every Christmas, I'm going to talk about him generically because he sort of shows up again when we do our service next Sunday, was this bad king by the name of Herod. Herod, if you think of Herod, Herod was sort of, I'm going to step over here for a minute, Herod was sort of like a Darth Vader character. So if you, if you see him kind of talk, talking with a Darth Vader voice, like he's the bad guy in this story. And if you think of him like he would have, you know, this was his seat, that kind of thing. He also would have, next slide, that kind of clothing. And in terms of housing, he did pretty well. That's actually one of his amphitheaters that still stands today. So that's Herod for us. And I, and I want you to see that Herod part as, as really can be part of our lives. I mean, that's, that's just basic stuff. Just basic stuff. So the way today's service is going to start, I'm going to run through this a couple times. We're going to start with some stuff just to get us warmed up, hold this story a little lightly. Then we're going to do a deeper dive in the second half of the service. So to understand kind of the lighter parts of it, Angela's going to be around. And what I would like you to do, I'd like three or four of you to answer this question. Ruin Christmas in five words or less. All right, let's see who can win. All right, so if you're interested in answering that question, please raise your hand. Angela will be around with a microphone. No more presents for kids. <laughs> no more presents. <laughs> Maybe we should just drop the mic right there. That was, oh my goodness. Some kid just scored underwear and socks for Christmas right there. <laughs> I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get what I wanted. Amen. My wife, by the way, I have to tell you this. I was so, can I tell you what was exciting for me this Christmas? This was great. And this is why my wife, why I married way up. And uh, so 
So she, she told me what she wanted. She asked, honey, can I have your phone? She looks it up on the phone and she says, just put your credit card here and press send. I'm like, hallelujah, that is good. I'd say um, that's not the way we did it in our family. That's not, oh boy, for any newlyweds in here, pay close attention to that. It's not the way we did in our family. Folks, those are so good. Can we get one more? I just, those are really good. Can we get just one more? Bah humbug. <laughs> bah humbug. Well said, Scrooge. Give all those folks a round of applause. So, question for my marvelous congregation. Is Herod theoretical? Yes or no? No, this is, this is real. Like, like, this stuff can actually really happen, and it, and it does really happen. And then we have someone else. We have another person in the story. Now, now Mary is the actual hero, heroine of the story. I mean, hands down, in the birth of Christ, like that trumps that by many degrees. But there's another person who shows up, not that much in the story, but, but he's an interesting counter to Herod. And that's Joseph. Joseph, who was espoused to be married to Mary, uh, and didn't father Jesus, but took care of Mary as she goes through her pregnancy and then eventually gives birth to Jesus. Now, this is where when we read the Bible, it's interesting how Joseph is treated because there's all kinds of parts we miss all the time. So the Gospel of Matthew, and this is real geekdom. Can I be a geek for two minutes? All right, me being a geek for two minutes. There are four Gospels, four different accounts of Christ's life. The Gospel of Matthew starts out by giving a genealogy, which doesn't sound very exciting, and it isn't. But a genealogy is just this person beget this person beget this person beget. It's just a list of da-da-da-da-da. Now, at that time, and even to this day, if you were a king, how did you trace through your family history, the male side or the female side? Which one? Male side, right? This king, and then this king, and then this king, and then this king. Except for this book starts out. It says the story's way different. And we miss it because we go right through it. It starts listing, and then it lists three females in there. That's a huge, huge shift. And some of these females and some of the males that it lists were people whose lives had gone off of the rails in dramatic ways. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And then it comes down to the last line, and it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom was born Jesus. So right there, it flips it from being Joseph's genealogy. Oh yeah, and here's the hero. Mary, who gave birth to Jesus. Interesting, interesting stuff. Because I said there was King Herod. So if this book was written for King Herod, what genealogy would it have started out with? Herod's. But it doesn't. It starts with the, with the genealogy of a peasant. Somebody with nothing. And it says this person has a lot of relatives who went off the rails. <laughs> Welcome to all our families, please. And he's not even the hero. Marius. And you just think, as I, as I step over here, like how different that world would have been, you know, his world. Like this was his preferred mode of transportation. 
And you think about what else with the next slide with this guy. Like these were the tools of his trade. It was a carpenter. Not a scepter, but a hammer for building. And he may not have had the best digs in the world, but he no doubt had views like this that made his heart sing. That's Joseph. Now, I want to have another fun question that we spell around. So we understand this is not theory. This is actually reality. And that's this question. Recalibrate, recalibrate Christmas in five words or less. So I want you to think, what are the words that would make your heart sing? That would make your heart sing over Christmas if you heard these words. Again, Angela's going to be around. If you'd have three people volunteer, like, oh, man, if I heard these words at Christmas, oh, my goodness. I love you. I love you. It's good. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. That's it. He's born on Christmas Day. He's born on Christmas Day. Can we get one more? Peace on earth. Who wants to? Let's say the last part. Peace on earth and and goodwill toward men. Give those folks a round of applause, please, folks. I thought, for me, you know, one that I just, I just cherish, and, and kids, you have no idea how much leeway you'll get from parents if you say this, which is just, I love our family. I love when my kids say that. They say it about twice a year, but I love, I love when they say that. You know, I, I love our family. I love being around. Those are beautiful parts, folks. As the band comes out, as the band comes out for this middle song, I want to go into this second part. I want to talk about, again, that trust, that learning. How do we trust the whole story? Is there a Herod part to our lives, yes or no? Yes. Is there a Joseph part? Yes. we, We can't get through the story without it. So how is it that we learn to trust the process? And that's just not a little light thing. It's not a little light thing. Many of us are wrestling with a lot of darkness, A lot of darkness this Christmas. But in the midst of that darkness, can we learn to do this? Just like Joseph did. Just like Joseph did. Can we learn to see? Can we learn to see a great light? Folks, do you get how significant that line is? Our God is for us. That's good. That's Christmas. That's Joseph. That's Mary. That's Jesus. That's trust. When we can just simply understand that our God is for us, even in times that are dark, that our God is for us and is always constantly seeking Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears the call and answers, I'll come in, I'll dine, I'll have supper with them. Our God is for us. Now, of course, that is held within a context of which we are, from New Church, taught that we always have choice. We can always go to the left or to the right. We always have those choices. 
So Herod, of course, is always part of that. He's, he's always part of the choice that we have. And again, our job is to trust that that's part of the story too, if that makes sense. That that is part of the story as well. I think with Herod, I would start out here. I would start out saying, we need to see darkness as darkness. I'm going to have you say the second B word there. We need to say darkness as darkness. We need to see blindness as blindness. It's not a sermon I busted out again this year, but you know, as a past, you get these sort of these favorite ones you like to pull out. One of mine is, is, you know, that Herod, the reason why he needed help with seeing the star was because he couldn't see it. Just that simple. He was blind to it, just as parts of our own lives are blind to it. And that's why, you know, for him, Jesus was such a such a threat because it was a threat to his power, it was a threat to all that he all that he held dear. Now, was he really a threat? No. But love can be very threatening in our lives. Because to truly love and to truly care will call into question in a really healthy way some of our patterns that are not serving us well. And they're not serving us well. And if they're not serving us well, that, we, that means we are going to be unable to serve others well. So here's the crazy part. Can I tell you a really crazy thing? Herod may become one of your best teachers. (laughs) Herod may actually help you to see the light. Because it's the only way we see the star. Kind of interesting. I think that's why in the Bible goes on to say this. When Herod heard this, and I want you to say this in a very disturbed voice. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed. He was disturbed. It kind of annoyed him. It annoyed him to hear this this good news. And there's a flip to it. And there's a flip to it. There's this guy, Joseph. Joseph, I think, was a dreamer. A good man. Good person. Fell in love with a wonderful, amazing young lady. Didn't have much, but no doubt when he found Mary, he felt he had found all he needed in life. Was a dreamer. The story goes forward this way. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. That, to me, echoes, echoes what a good man this was. Not the Herod who's out to kill and destroy, but this very careful, thoughtful young man, this dreamer, who had just seen all his dreams for the way he thought his life was going to go, just saw those collapse, but even in that collapse was unwilling to reach out in anger, righteous indignation, hatred, fear, didn't reach out in any of those ways. A beautiful part of the story, he just wanted to quietly say, all right, I guess there's a different path. The thing is, he didn't know how right he was. (laughs) was an incredibly different path. 
because he's sure that the different path looks like this, just this quiet sort of divorce. We're just going to kind of push it aside. And an angel shows up, giving him a totally different path. Take a look at this piece from the Bible. An angel appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name because he will save his people from their sins. This movement from being careful to this call to care. And I'm really going to hammer on that. This movement from being careful to this call to care and the commitment that undergirds the whole thing. See, I think when we look at these two, when we look at these two, we see this. We see power versus care. Let's, let's do it this way, because I want you to hear it. I want this side to say power. I want this side to say care, because you can just hear it in stereophonics. All right? This side. Ready? Power. God, there's a powerful voice out there. That's good. This side? Care. care. Power versus care. Power versus care. And I'm going to step on both carpets here for a second. I'm going to step over here for a second. The three P's that always get us into trouble are power, prestige, and possessions. If we, if, we become, if we become obsessed with that, if that becomes the very end in and of itself, we're in trouble. New Church, we believe those things are not bad in and of themselves, but they've got to be exercised in terms of a greater goal or a greater good. See, and the problem is, if, if we're really consumed about our power in life, our status, how we stack up, all these other things... That middle P word there, we are going to, and the paranoia, we're going to be very much into paranoia. We're going to become very paranoid that somehow this will be lost because it is ours. This will be lost because somehow it's ours. Like he really saw this kingdom as kind of his kingdom, his possession, his power. So anything that undercut it, even something as, as, as benign but powerful and disruptive and revolutionary as love could, undergird, could not undergird that, but could undercut all of that in his mind. Because that's the game that he was playing. It's a game we too can get caught up in in our own lives. Now, that's very different. I'm going to step way over there from a, from a Joseph perspective. Now, now, a Joseph perspective, far more, far more, far more, let's say it together, far more about that C word, far more about, far more about care and the commitment it engenders. I mean, you, you, just, you just see this, this story just, just oozes with care. And, and, and that basic choice that we are, like, am I going to choose power or am I going to choose care? And, and, and I purposely picked a picture with, it's not like two people, it's, no, it's us, and we got to choose, are we going to step with the left or are we going to step with the right? Robert Frost, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, that that has made all the difference. That's what we see here with Joseph, the road less traveled by. Not worried about power or accumulation of whatever. Clearly pushing aside the paranoia. I mean, there's nothing in here about his worry, his paranoid worries. 
There's a lot in here about his care. The road less traveled by. What I would say, and I think this is so important, is that if we choose to make this idea of of care, I, I think very importantly, it will be disruptive. Maybe, sermon writing team said this, that's a group of volunteers who meets on Thursdays to, to actually write the sermon. And one of them said, like, maybe that's the only way we know when we're really being caring, is when it's disruptive. Isn't that interesting? Like, maybe there's a part in your life where, you, where you're having a, a challenge. I know there certainly are several in my life a challenge exercising care into that. And part of it is this knowledge that if I exercise care, it could be really disruptive to my life. And God goes, and I say, God, what's the answer to that? And he goes, yes, it will be. You'll thank me later. Care is disruptive. Care will ask of you to make choices. Some of which don't stack up terribly well in how we think our life may be supposed to fall out and flow. Because what it will do, Joseph is a dreamer. Choose to care. It'll open you up to new dreams. Different dreams. Very disruptive dreams. And again, it's, it's not that Herod just disappears. Like Herod is part of this story. But I think from a Joseph mindset that we even get to see that again as part of the story. That, that maybe we even get to see Joseph maybe on certain good days. Maybe just a few of them. Is maybe our best teacher. Pema Chodron captured this so well. Feelings like disappointment, embarrassment, irritation, resentment, anger, jealousy, and fear. Welcome, Herod. Instead of being bad news are actually very clear moments that teach us where it is that we're holding back. They teach us to perk up and lean in when we feel we'd rather collapse and back away. They're like messengers that show us with terrifying clarity where we are stuck. This very moment is the perfect teacher. And lucky for us, it's with us wherever we are. Is that good or what? Herod becomes a teacher. Not written out of the story, but written into the story. Today, you know, I was mentioning to our, to our new intern, Zach, you know, it's, it's like I was getting ready for today's sermon, and all of a sudden this morning, like a lot of stuff just, just came my way. So I want to share some of that with you, and it's, it's more along the improvisational side of things. I hope you're all okay with that this morning, because I think this is so important to understand this care and understand Herod and understand what we're called to in, in times of our life. And what I want to do is I'm going to step off the stage here, go down to where we have the, the Advent candles lit, and just share a little bit from you with the, with the corner of the stage, and then, and then light some candles here. So I'm going to do that. So as, as we look, as we go through our lives, right, 
and we think about these Herod kind of moments, and we, we think about care, I think so much of the challenge is this, at least it's this for me. I think the challenge is I want to be really careful all the time. How many of us want to know all the answers to the test before the test is even given? You better all raise your hands. All right? We want to know all the answers to the test, right? Do we get that? No. We don't get all the answers. But I want them all. I want something so carefully crafted so that it's, it's just known. That's that first Joseph part. Is that a bad part? No. But, but, the, but the call will be disruptive. The call will be there. The call will be disruptive, and it's a disruptive form of care. Now, your one part of your brain will be going, and please just answer, it's like spontaneously. The, the, the wrong part of your brain will be going, well, Chuck, you have a choice between careful or being careless. False dichotomy. Not true. Not true. This church does many careless things. Like Kensington, Ronald McDonald House, gift of life, showing up for people who are struggling. Those are careless activities. They're not efficient uses of time. Could I get an amen on that? They're not efficient. They, they don't fit into that box of the best way to stack up your time to have more power. But they do stack up to a commitment to care. A commitment to care. It's interesting how all this kind of happens. This morning, uh, you know, as I'm getting ready for church, Scarlett Lewis texts me. Scarlett, what a wonderful human being. Those of you who don't know her, she lost her son uh, at the Sandy Hook shooting. It was the anniversary of the Sandy Hook shooting a few days ago. Right? Scarlett is an amazing human being. Could I get an amen on that? And she's an amazing, amazing person. She likes her church a lot too, which gives her an extra credit point in my book. And, and she, she sent me an article. She was just featured in an article in Forbes magazine. And I just want to read you a couple of parts of it that she sent this morning. When we react in anger, she says, hatred and resentment, we give our personal power away. We become victims. And we do not add value to the world. Life is not leading where I expected. At 44 years old, when Jesse was murdered and I started researching social and emotional learning, my eyes were open to a completely new and different set of skills and tools. My life is exponentially better now from what it was when he died. That's the care that I'm talking about. It can happen in circumstances that no one would choose. And I see that over and over again. And I don't believe God says, I'm going to do this to you so that you learn a lesson. That doesn't work. I think these things happen and God's like, I am sitting with you with a broken heart. My heart breaks right along with yours. My tears flow right along with yours. I am with you. I'm always for you. And I'm going to hold you even in this incredibly dark time. When your plans collapse, and maybe all you know is that I'm here to hold you even there. I love this line. 
and I printed it up just so our people at home could see it and didn't have time to put it into the slideshow. With commitment, can we get that up on the screen, guys, any chance? So we can get that up on the screen. Yeah, we'll get back to the baby in a second here. I totally threw the guys off. My bad. With commitment comes the beauty. With commitment comes the beauty. Can't say that enough. With commitment comes the beauty. When we learn to commit to those places of care, that becomes the beauty. And you think about if we go to the slide with the baby, we think about how that works, you know, and, and you think about his, his commitment, right? His commitment to see this through, his commitment on holding that baby's hand. For those of us who've ever held a, a child, right? Like there's, there's just as soon as we see that child, as soon as we touch that child, there is a commitment. And is there a beauty as well? Some of you are sitting right by the beauty. There's a commitment. And the beauty right there. So I want you to think this Christmas. I want you to think coming out of this service. Where is that disruptive care for you? How can we pray for you to find it? How can we pray for you to find that, that commitment that's, that's so deeply tied to beauty? How can we do that not just individually, but how can we do that as a congregation? Because when we do, beautiful things start to happen. The candle of peace gets lit. candle of hope gets lit. And the candle of joy gets lit. And sometimes relit. And we can allow those things to become lights in the darkness. So what we're going to invite people to now, the band's going to come out and they're going to do a gentle noodling underneath. You're more than welcome to light a candle, I mean, excuse me, not light a candle, but to fill out a prayer card up here and then turn it into this, this thing behind me right here. And what I do is that every week I've been going over those prayer cards. Praying for you, praying for us, praying for the world. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.